Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show How's everybody doing? I got a few things to tackle today Got some uh, big moving and shaking going on in the NFL Some people disgruntled Some people calling out fan bases You got the tourney NCAA tournament Check in and see how my bracket is doing I told y'all I, I don't really follow college basketball throughout the season like that Too much too much to look into But let's see how I did, right? How y'all feeling? Welcome back, Cyber Family This is your first time joining us Welcome This is Sometimes I Be Right I am your host, John Farris Reporting live from Trash Can Studios As always, joined by my co-host, Wally Say what up, Wally How's everybody doing? Hopefully nobody gambled away a bunch of money right, in the first couple days of the NCAA tournament. I actually got caught up. I actually watched the uh, the uh, Ohio State LSU game on the women's side of the bracket. I got to be honest with you guys. Um, co- women's college. I'm, I'm going to try not to sound insulting when I say this. Women's Women's college basketball is one of those things that I feel like. I have no interest in and then when I catch a little bit of it it just seems really fun it's fun now look I'm be completely honest with you I'm not checking for it but uh the women you know what <laughs> I'm probably gonna get myself in trouble I'm trying to say I'm like my sentiment is very positive but like it's, I just I'm trying to word it in a way that doesn't sound like a backhand compliment. You know, it's like it's like watching little kids play, <laughs> where it's like it's not as like refined and like I don't know it it you could tell like I'm trying to think I'm trying to think it's like when you watch little league versus pro baseball like you understand like these little league kids aren't as skilled. Um, Nah, it still sounds bad. <laughs> Basically, look, look, the women they play hard. Um, it's 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 a lot of. They seem like they're having a lot of fun. They're doing it for the love. It seems like it really is. Just, but big ups to them. That's all I'm saying. I enjoyed the game. That simply put. Yeah, apologies in advance. Look, I'm trying to give a compliment and trying to a compliment. Ugh, what a disaster. <laughs> Let's get into some quick hits. Quick hits. Quick hits. Zion, oh Zion. It's reported that Zion Williamson is going to miss the rest of the season with a foot injury. He had surgery on. They're not expecting him to come back. And why would they? Shut him down for the year. There's only a couple games left. Like, what, what difference does it make at this point? But my point is, or the bigger point is, what's his career like going forward? Right? Wasn't this the concern for Zion coming out? That he's, he's, he's a massive human being and you wonder how well he could hold up. There was conversations like he should lose some weight coming out of college, right? Then he busted through a sneaker at Duke. Was that not a warning sign to anybody? Like maybe this guy is a little too big and too athletic to ever think that it's going to work. Look, you can't be that big and that athletic and think you're going to hold up long term. His body just can't handle it. He's got too much torque. <laughs> Oh, man. Buyer beware. The Browns uh, traded for Deshaun Watson. Uh, traded a bunch of picks and gave him an extension. A five-year, $230 million contract fully guaranteed. What? Listen, that's crazy. All I'm going to say is buyer beware. Listen, I like Deshaun Watson. Have no problem with him at all. Except... 230 million guaranteed. I'm not really sure why the world was on fire to get this guy. And quite frankly, I'm slightly uncomfortable with the ideas. As soon as they said they're not going to press criminal charges, everybody jumped on. Like, I'm sorry, what? So it's not that he didn't do what he's accused of. And he's accused of many uh, sexually inappropriate actions, some sexual assault even. And, the, you know, the jury decided um, not to go forward or not to press charges. So the prosecutor said we're not going to pull him up on criminal charges, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but there's, a, there's 22 civil cases still pending. And I'm pretty sure he's going to lose at least half. Okay. Now, 
to offer that guy $230 million who's never even won a playoff game and hasn't played in a year and are you sure he is what you think he is? Now, I understand Deshaun Watson is good, but $230 million guaranteed good? I don't know. Buyer beware. I'm not saying it's going to work out or not work out. I'm just saying buyer beware. Jake Paul uh, has come out and, as he usually does, tries to be the center of attention, um, made a $60 million fight offer for uh, for Kanye West to fight Pete Davidson to settle their differences in the ring. Now, uh, this is more on the serious side, but it's involving Jake Paul, so I figure PSA time, guys. Um, Hey, Jakey, uh, this isn't a money-making opportunity. This isn't an opportunity to get your name back out in front of the masses. This isn't a joke or a game. The issue these two gentlemen are having is real. And people can really get hurt over something like this. You're dealing with a wife, ex-wife, new girlfriend, and kids. Jake, ah, not the time or the place, buddy. Go, go mess with somebody else. Go try to make a fight with somebody else. This is not the marketing opportunity that you need in your life. This is too serious. This is a real issue. It's not your place, not time for you. Now, uh, the, the NCAA tournament. Now, look, Kentucky lost. Okay? Kentucky lost to a 15 seed. Listen, I picked them to win. Right? I think I picked them to go to Sweet 16. And uh, they lost in the first round. Got upset. And that just reminded me, um, I've never thought John Calipari was a great coach. I'll be honest with you. I never thought it. Because all I ever see this guy do is recruit top-tier talent, multiple top 10 recruits in the country annually flock to him and his his school, whether it be Kentucky or it was Memphis or wherever. They go there. And then they win a bunch of games, and then they get into these tight games, and in my opinion, they underperform. In the tournament, they underperform. They're a routinely terrible free-throw shooting team. In my opinion, John Calipari is not a great coach. He's just an amazing recruiter. John Calipari gets guys to go to his school not because they want to play for him because they think he's a great coach, but they know if you play for him, he's a pipeline to the NBA. He's got great connections to NBA players. And he's got great connection to NBA um, GMs and coaches and owners and things like that. In my opinion, there's a reason why Calipari is not in the NBA. And I don't think it's as simple as, ah, they didn't want to pay him the money. I think some NBA execs know the truth. He's an amazing recruiter. At this point, he's more of a sports agent. He could take a young guy in high school and say, hey, listen, you come here. I got connections. I'm going to put you on a national stage. You can make a case for yourself to get drafted. You're going to go get drafted. Bingo, bango. Now, some people would say, oh, you know, John, you don't understand how hard it is to coach these one and dones. And basically every year you have a new roster and blah, 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 blah. And my response to that is he created that culture. He's the face of one-and-done culture, of the guys that come for a year and then leave. That's when he started. He set that culture himself. Why? Because guys like Coach K at Duke, for the longest time, wouldn't even recruit guys if they thought they were going to be one-and-done. They were going after the guys who would stay there for at least two, three years, right? Because that's the way they ran their business. Calipari said, oh, no, you want to go in one year? Totally fine with that. I'll even help you pack. I'll help you pack your bags to get out the door. That's the culture he set. And now that he set that culture and he's living in it, I can't use it as an excuse for him. I just feel like when you have that top tier talent every single season, there's no reason why you shouldn't be routinely getting to the Final Four, Elite Eight, or even Sweet 16. Like clockwork, bro. How many chips you got? Come on, you got the best talent in the country every single year and you can't win more championships? You can't get to more Final Fours? You got the best players every year. Unless you just not coaching them up. Unless you got, like... If you ever watch them, it just looks like take the best players, put them out there, let them go, and that's it. That's the game plan. (laughs) All right, I want to get into... get into some things take my time today not take too much of your time but take my time working through all this stuff right so the first thing i want to touch on is uh i didn't mention it last week 
But Randy Gregory initially agreed, right, agree, verbally agreed to re-sign with the Cowboys for a, and in case you don't know, Randy Gregory, defensive end for the Cowboys, uh, he was a free agent this year, and initially he agreed to a five-year, $70 million contract with the Cowboys. The Cowboys reported it, put it on their social media, ESPN reported it, and then just a mere couple hours later, it was reported that, whoops, Randy Gregory has actually decided to go sign in Denver for the same exact contract, five years, $70 million. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Now, you don't really see this very often where a guy will agree to a deal and then change his mind before it's signing time and go somewhere else. I mean, I think the last time I can remember this was probably DeAndre Jordan when he was going to sign with Dallas and then last minute decided to go back to L.A. But this prompted a lot of people to say, man, what happened? Why is he going to Denver for the same contract? And then reports started coming out that the Cowboys had last minute put into the contract a clause that says if Randy Gregory got suspended by the league, that they would that the Cowboys would be able to recoup some of the money that they were going to pay him. I guess some of the guaranteed money. And uh, apparently Randy Gregory didn't like that, thought, you know, thought, nah, I don't want to play with that. And blah, 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 decided to go to Denver, who said, we're not going to put that in your contract, don't worry. Now, a couple thoughts. First, it's important to say that according to um, Dallas Cowboys insiders, reporters, and people who work for the team, that's a standard thing in, in Cowboys contracts. That's something that Jerry Jones puts in the contracts all the time. And in fact, reportedly, the only person on the roster right now who doesn't have that in their contract is Dak Prescott. Now, we don't know if that's maybe because they don't feel like they need to put that in his contract. He doesn't have a history of getting in trouble. There was that one incident in college, but not a big deal. Uh, Or maybe he fought to keep it out, and they said, well, he's a quarterback, and we want him and need him. It's essential, and so we'll take the hit and take it out. I don't know. Either way, the bigger point is he decided to leave. No problem. Hey, man, salute to you. Go be happy, have fun, branch out. Because me, you know, I I thought about it to myself for a second. If I was in one place and had an opportunity to go somewhere new, maybe you'd be like, you know what? I just want to go experience life somewhere else and see what happens. He's been with the Cowboys for seven years, right? Now, everybody was fine with it. No problems at all. No insulting no nothing now of course you probably got your rogue fans who were insulting him saying ah you scumbag blah 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 whatever but for the most part it came and went then uh he recently came out and started talking about why he decided to make the switch and went as far as to say that the cowboys fans are a toxic fan base and that the jones family negotiated in bad faith the entire time Now, that's where my issue comes in, and this is why I now have to talk about it. Number one, let's talk about the fan base and saying that the fan base is toxic. Hey, hey, Randy, I'm going to just tell you this right now. I'm going to just tell you this like this. Uh, If you think you're going to Denver and that fan base isn't going to be toxic, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Saying a fan base is toxic is like saying water's wet. Of course they're toxic. There are a bunch of guys who don't play in the league and probably don't even play this sport on any elevated level, criticizing you, a supreme athlete who's a multimillionaire, picking apart everything you do, telling you how you could do it better. Yeah, that's toxic. <laughs> like what? Just in, just in, all right, look, for example, me. 35 years old, uh, Give or take 20 or 30 pounds heavier than I should be. Zero athleticism at this point. And yet I come on her every week and I'm critical of supreme athletes who could do things I could never dream of doing and never could dream of doing. I couldn't even come close. I played rec basketball, sat the bench, and my brothers were the head of the team. (laughs) But yet I come on here and I could be critical of somebody's skill set. That's irrational. That's crazy. That's toxic behavior. But look, we're fans. 
We watch, we observe, and we critique. That's what we do. And guess what, Randy? When you're not playing well, they're going to call you out. They're going to be extra critical of you. They're going to pick you apart. And when you're doing well, they're going to exalt you like you're a god. And Denver is going to be the same. Go to Denver on that $70 million contract and put up two sacks. And see how long that takes before somebody starts calling you out and that fan base starts saying, yo, maybe we made a mistake here. It's going to be the same. Now, listen, I get it. You got drafted by the Cowboys. This is all you know. And, yeah, Cowboys fans are a little more rowdy than most because there's just so many. They're everywhere. It's America's team. Right? One, One of the top three most valuable franchises in sports in the world. Yeah, their fan base is, is massive, and their fan base are, are, are strong participants. And, you know, me being one of them, we kind of tie our identity to the fact that we are the Cowboys. We're America's team. We're the top of the food chain, even though they ain't won nothing. <laughs> so the fan base being toxic, sure. But that, that, that's, like, that's just all fan bases in general. I feel like you're going to run into the same problem, if that's a problem for you. Secondly, about the Jones family um, negotiating in bad faith. Here's what I'm going to say. Randy Gregory dropped in the draft and became a second-round pick to the Cowboys. And some people believe the Cowboys even reached on that and probably could have picked him up in the third or fourth because he got dropped because there was a lot of concerns coming out of college with his marijuana use. He had multiple issues in college with being suspended or disciplined for his drug use. And there were a lot of people saying, nah, this guy's not worth the headache. He's going to have issues in the NFL. No way, no how. And he was an undersized defensive end coming out of college. I think he was like like 220, 230 pounds or something. Usually you want your end around 260, you know. So he was a little he was a little light in the ass coming out of college and he had this drug history and he was a concern and so he was dropping and the Cowboys took a chance. And sure enough, he got suspended multiple times. And the Cowboys stuck right with him. Right? They stuck they picked up his option, they gave him a little extension, they invested in him. They invested in him. They did all that work in him. 7 years paid you consistently paid you didn't shortchange you then coming into this year which is the time that you could be like hey let me repay you for all that you've done for me for sticking by me for taking a chance on me for having my back publicly for never kicking my back in even though i was getting in trouble for being silly i wasn't handling my responsibility but you guys stuck right by my side so now it's my turn to return the favor they didn't even look at you and ask you to take a hometown discount they were offering you five years, $70 million, which Denver offered you the same thing. So clearly, that was the going rate for you on the market, and the Cowboys matched it. Now, obviously, they can't go higher because, come on, bro, you there. You know you're there in cap hell. You ain't got no money. But we're going to offer you the biggest slice of the pie this offseason. We're going to show you how much we care. Five years, $70 million. What do you say? So now, because there's a clause in the contract saying in in case you get suspended, we can recoup some of the guaranteed money, you want to say, oh, that's messed up? What you talking about? You've been suspended multiple times already. And you know what? Jerry Jones is the type of guy where Randy Gregory could have called him on the phone and talked to him about that clause. And Jerry probably would have said, hey, don't worry about it. We put it in all the contracts. But if you get suspended for something bogus like Zeke did, right, when they pressed no charges but the league said, ah, we're going to suspend you anyway because we just don't like the optics of it. If you get something like that, don't worry. We got you covered. We'll pay you. We ain't going to take nothing back from you. But if you go out and do something real egregious, like, yeah, yeah, there's prices to pay. And I'm sure that conversation would have made Randy feel like, you know what, I see what you're saying. You're not trying to get money from me if I get suspended for something simple or something small, something bogus. You're just protecting yourself against something major in case I go out there and lose my mind, which is fair. From the organizational side, understanding this guy has been suspended multiple times. And this is a league that we play for that suspends people willy-nilly for no re- like just based on optics. This commissioner has no consistency in terms of how or why he suspends guys. It's kind of like, well, thrown in the air or whatever. Who knows? 
So if you want to protect yourself to say, hey, in case of something outrageous, we want to make sure to put this in the contract, the player has a responsibility to say, oh, that's not even going to be an issue for me. I would assign that deal. That's to say that if somebody were to put in a contract, if I were to get into some legal trouble, that they would recoup some of my guarantee money or some of my contract back, I would be fine with that. Because I'm not the type of person that lives a lifestyle that will put me in that position to even feel like I would have any legal trouble. Now, if I knew the person and was working with them for seven years and this was my second or third contract with them, I would call them up and be like, hey, man, this language kind of concerns me. Can we can we kind of figure out what this means and what your thought is behind this? And I would trust that me and that person have a good enough relationship established that we could have that type of conversation. But I feel like if Randy Gregory feels like that was the linchpin to be like, oh, that's messed up. Or if he feels like they threw that in last minute. And so that shows like what? That they don't trust you and that messes with your pride. You feel like, oh, y'all don't trust me now? Like, no, we don't. <laughs> if that's the if they didn't trust you, that's totally understandable. When as a person, you have to be self-aware and mature enough to understand that you've given them reason to not trust you. That's on you, bro. I would, I, I'm fine with the idea if you just wanted to go somewhere new. I'm fine if you thought, hey, man, I think this team has a better chance to win a championship, and that's what I want. I'm fine with you saying I need to change the scenery. I'm fine with you saying I don't really, this fan base is kind of too crazy for me. I'm, I'm trying to go somewhere where it's more love. I'm fine with all that. Not fine with you calling out the Jones family and saying that they're acting in bad faith because of one clause they put in the contract, which if you do what you're supposed to do and just behave like a normal man, it, it wouldn't be an issue for you. See, I think it comes down to it's not necessarily loyalty. See, for me, you'll notice if you listen to the show a lot, you'll notice a lot of my issues never really stem from what happened, but it's more the principle or the thought or the logic or the morality behind it. I'm not mad at Randy Gregory for going to another team. I'm not even mad about the idea of if he felt like there was some stuff in the contract he didn't agree with. What I'm mad at is you saying that somebody was acting in bad faith because they basically called you out on your BS. You've gotten suspended multiple times. You had issues in college with the same thing. You came into the pros. You brought it with you. We took a chance on you. We invested in you. We put in all the time, effort, and resources to help you, to get you to this point where you're getting this contract. We offered you market value for you. We didn't undersell you. We didn't try to convince you to take a discount. We were giving you top dollar. And then because we put something in the contract, which around here is standard, You want to be like, oh, how dare you guys bring up the fact that I had some issues in my past. Like, no, bro, we're just protecting ourselves. Because at the end of the day, we got to do the business right. But on a personal level, yo, we're going to give you some breaks. You think they're taking money from Zeke? No, man. That's in his contract. They ain't take no money when he got suspended. Why? Because they understood what happened. They got an investigative team. They know when something's bogus. They know when the league is being the league and being silly. They got your back, bro. Seven years they've shown you we got your back. We're going to pay you regardless, even though you've been suspended. Even though you're not putting up major sack numbers, we're still going to pay you. Because we want you here. We like you. We want you to be a part of this family. And then they say something you don't like, and all of a sudden it's like, ah, I'm done with y'all. Loyalty for me is not loyalty to a team. It's loyal to the people who take care of you. And the Jones family took care of Randy Gregory. And turn, uh, listen, actually, to be honest, as far as we know, <laughs> if there's more to the story, Randy, my bad. I'm only going based off of what we've seen for seven years and what you say now. All the information that's been presented shows a picture of, hey, maybe some, some people got in his ear and talked to him and talked to him and got him thinking kind of faulty. I don't know. Sticking with the NFL. Um, the Colts traded for Matt Ryan. And uh, I got to say, look, Matt Ryan's one of those guys who who I've always looked at as just being a real solid option. Right? Just a real solid quarterback. Straight down the middle. Not bad. Not great. Real solid. Right? Y'all know me. Solid is a little, is above average. Right? You've got like average and then you got like above that is like solid like he can get he can do some things for you. You can win a championship with him. But if you put it all on his shoulders, he's not capable of like really doing that. He needs help. He needs 
a, a, a good squad around him. But in Indy, that's a really good pickup for them. It's a good move. It's a good trade. Right? Kudos to them. Now, I don't know what Atlanta's going to do. Probably going to draft someone and try to start over. But good luck in this draft, man. Weesh. Whoa. But that took Indy. The reason why I bring that up is because that took Indy out of the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes. Now, in case you've been living under a rock, when it was reported or when it came out that the Browns had gone and met with Deshaun Watson about uh, waiving his no-trade clause to go to Cleveland, Baker Mayfield heard it, saw it on TV, got really upset, really butthurt, and posted this thing online, this uh, farewell to Cleveland, just saying how much I love you, blah, 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 blah. And I said last week, hey, Baker, Baker, just be quiet, bro. Real G's move in silence. But he put it out, and then all of a sudden he says, I demand a trade. Now, by the time Cleveland Brass landed back in Cleveland, Deshaun had come out and said, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to go to Cleveland. And Baker said, I want to trade. And so Cleveland said, ah, no. (laughs) Nah, we're not going to trade you. Sorry, bro. Right? Then they started coming out and saying, oh, no, we think we could win with Baker. And we're ready to go forward with Baker. We think we could win this year with Baker and then see what happens. All of a sudden, um, I guess Deshaun was debating between Atlanta. Debating between Atlanta and New Orleans, and then at the last minute, Cleveland stepped up and said, we'll give you $230 million fully guaranteed. And at that point, Deshaun Watson has to say, oh, okay, sure, I'll be there. Now, it brings up that Baker Mayfield wanted to trade. They said no, but now they got Deshaun Watson, and Baker Mayfield really wants out. And even started coming out and saying, you know what, I really want to go to Indy. That's my preferred spot. Sources have said that Indianapolis is where he wanted to go. And they went and got Matt Ryan instead of you. And then it was reported that Carolina was very interested. And then they came out and said, nah, that's just a rumor. We're not really interested. And now it's basically Seattle is the team that people are looking at saying, Seattle's a good landing spot, right? The Steelers have come out and said that they would, you know, jump at the opportunity to sign Baker and free agency. Here's the problem. Uh, Nobody's going to trade for Baker Mayfield basically because not only does Cleveland want a first round pick. But I'm not going to give up something for you if I don't have to. I think more teams would be interested if you were a free agent, because let me tell you, this draft class, as far as quarterbacks, is garbage. It's garbage, okay? There's no doubt about it. It's bad. So if you're Pittsburgh and you're thinking we could draft someone or we could sign Baker Mayfield, I don't blame you. Sign Baker Mayfield. He's better than what's in the draft. At least you know what he could be in the league. And if you give him some some real help and you kind of don't, you know, try to put too much on his plate, then he could be solid for you. He's average, but, you know... You could do something with average. You can't do nothing with garbage. But what it, what it makes me think is that the trade market and the interest in Baker Mayfield is low. This is where this is where self awareness is so important, especially as an athlete. Baker should have known this. See, Baker, when he demanded the trade, felt like, oh, there's I'll, so many teams probably will want me. They don't, dude. Like, you you not that guy. It's got to be crushing his ego that as soon as Deshaun, they said no criminal charges, teams started lining up, calling the phone. Oh, da, 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 da. And then when Baker became available, crickets. I get it, man. I get it. It's got to hurt the ego, right? The team you wanted to go to, you came out and publicly had it put out there. That's where you wanted to go. So that they would know, if nothing else, they would know that you're interested. And maybe that would kind of get them to say, you know what, let's make a run at it. But they went and traded for somebody else, an older player. A player who you think is not as good as you are. That has to hurt the ego. Here's what I would like for Baker. I know I've come down on Baker pretty hard. 
Baker's one of those guys that needs to be humbled. He's one of those guys that needs to accept what his position is. Accept what he is so that he can operate within that. And if he does that, he can be successful. If he continues to try to play and live and operate and talk and carry himself as if he is an elite quarterback, as if he is one of these supremely gifted quarterbacks, he's always going to struggle because he's going to try to do more than he's capable of. And that's going to lead to a lot of failure. And so I would say to Baker, hey, Baker, check this out. You're a good quarterback as far as like skill goes. Like you got a good arm. Got some good accuracy. You can make some plays. Good athleticism. Like you're a solid, you're a solid player. Count on your teammates, right? Wherever you end up going, start over. Reinvent yourself. Be more of the humble guy. I'm not gonna get in your face and trash up. Blah blah blah. You're not a walk on anymore. You're not the walk-on kid from some that nobody knows and you got to go make an impression and you got to go make a statement so you can get some PT. It's not that type of party no more. You're the number one draft pick. You're the Heisman winner. Right? That's who you are. Own that. Live in that. Say, people know me. I don't have to try to, like, puff my chest out. Let me be humble and just work on my craft and play. And I promise you, you're going to have a successful career if you do that. That is all. That's my PSA for today. <laughs> so I want to get into some bracket talk, uh, some NCAA tournament talk. Because, like I said last week, I filled out a bracket. I told you who I think is going to win. And uh, the first couple days of the tournament happened. And I got to say, man, that's I think the first the first weekend of the tournament is my absolute favorite sporting event of the year and i know everyone says that but it has nothing to do with gambling it has nothing to do with quality of games it has nothing to do with that but that thursday and friday games start at noon and they go on until sometimes after midnight for two straight days just you can turn on a channel and there's games on all day and that's why i love it so much i that's why i love college football because college football is on so many different networks that on a Saturday starting at noon, you could flip through channels and there's games on all day. Multiple games, multiple channels, multiple conferences all day. The NFL, psh, unless you have like red zone and they bounce around or you have the NFL package, which is way too expensive, you, you only get two games in your market. Right? You got the one o'clock game and then you got, you know, the four o'clock game and then you got the Sunday night game. And that's it. Like that's that sucks. <laughs> like I'm I'm in the New York market, so I'm relegated to watching the Jets and the Giants. Every once in a while, the Cowboys would be on if it's the game of the week at four twenty-five, but very rarely. And so so it's like with college football, you get that all day. Like watch anything; it's all available to you. No extra price. Hey NFL, get it together. I guess you don't have to. You're the top earning sports and whatever but anyway so that's why i love the first you know two days of the of the uh, tournament as they start to dwindle down and get rid of some teams and get smaller and smaller and smaller and there's less and less games i become less interested to be quite honest with you but what's happened is um coach k this is you know he announced that this was his last year he's retiring after this year he's stepping down from coaching um everyone knows this is his last his last run his last go at it and so I, being who I am, uh, the uh, resident hater here, I had I was rooting for Coach K to lose first round. <laughs> and I said, man, how great would it be for him to lose, uh, get upset, and then have to walk away with that and say, man, this great coach is winning his coach, actually lost uh, in glorious fashion in the tournament to, to, to end his career. But I got to tell you, man, after the Michigan State game, his reaction, his response, his comments, it, it winning me over, man. I'm not I'm not rooting for Duke, but I'm not against Duke either. <laughs> because Coach K seems like he's genuinely just enjoying the ride. 
he came out after the game and said that wasn't about coaching. That last couple minutes had nothing to do with coaching. It was just about heart, and it was about the guys just going out there and playing their hearts out. He was smiling. He was laughing. Um, he seemed a little bit emotional. He kept saying how proud he was of the guys. And to me, that just made me feel good because it was like, you know what? This guy's really like just enjoying this moment. He's not taking it too serious. He's not making it like you guys have to do something for me. Um, he's just saying, listen, just go play, man. Just have fun. Just play as hard as you can. Have fun and let the chips fall where they may. And it's it's winning me over. Listen, again, like I said, I've never disliked Coach K. I hated Duke. Never had a problem with the guy. Always thought he would seem like a cool guy. Uh, must have been a great coach. I don't know. I don't really dig into the weeds of that stuff. But the resume speaks for itself. But now I find myself really rooting for the guy and trying to figure out a way that he could, that Duke can lose, but he can win. I don't know. It's weird. But let's get into the uh, into the actual breakdown of the bracket. So I told you last week that uh, if you're a gambling man, do not do not follow my bracket because I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm going strictly based off a of feeling when I read the matchup, and uh, I got to be honest with you. Um, I I got it pretty good. I got it pretty good. There's only one. There's only one matchup in the Sweet 16 in which I didn't have either team there. And that's the Iowa State versus Miami game. I had Wisconsin facing USC. That's the only one that completely wrong. Every other one, at least one of the two teams I had picked. And most of them, including Gonzaga and Arkansas, North Carolina, UCLA, Arizona, Houston. um, That's it. (laughs) Those I got completely right. The other ones, uh, Texas Tech going against Duke. I had Alabama get into that spot. I was wrong on that. That's fine. Um, and who knew St. Peter's uh, would would be there instead of Kentucky? Who picked that? Like, unbelievable. Um, also, I had Iowa playing Kansas, and it's actually going to be Providence. And like I said, Iowa State and Miami. I had Wisconsin and USC. Both, both of those were wrong. But looking at it, here's what I'll say. First, let me say this. I do feel like a lot of the luster of the tournament doesn't feel like it's there this year. Some of that might have to do with, like, COVID and everything being so weird and this being, like, the first year that it's, like, back, back. And maybe people just haven't got back in the groove or the excitement wasn't able to build because of so many restrictions going into it. Or perhaps it just is, which, in my opinion, I think there's not really big upsets anymore right like these teams are so evenly matched for the most part in terms of uh seniors young players um there's so much diversity in where the great players go that it is really like all right for for miami to be where they are is not like an absolute stunner st peter's is kind of a stunner just because of the road they had to get through to get there but like even then it's kind of like all right well i mean it's not like impossible you know what i just changed my stance (laughs) you know what it is i'll tell you what it is we've hyped up the tournament as being this upset and and cinderella story we've that's been the the preferred storyline of all these tournaments for so long that we now just expect it to happen so when it does happen it's no longer as exciting or miraculous as it once was that's what it is. See that? Sometimes I'd be right. You can adjust on the fly. Don't be so don't be so tied to your opinions, man. Fluid, fluidity, baby. What's that? What's that Tom Brady says? Uh uh not pot. What's the thing he wants you to be pliable? Yeah, that's it. Be pliable with your ideas and your opinions. Anyway, so now that you have that concept of like that we're we're expecting a 12 to beat a 5. So when it happens, I mean, it's not really that exciting. It's not it's not big news. So that's one of my big takeaways. Um the other one is I think there's really no art to filling out a bracket. And I think my philosophy has always been just go with your first gut instinct and 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 stick it out. Also, I don't believe in filling out multiple brackets and doing multiple different outcomes cuz then like that's 
That's cheating. <laughs> right? Like, enter a, a pool, a bracket. You know, you ever have those people, like, at work, everybody's job has this. NCAA tournament comes around, and you got the bracket pool, and you put in money, and you pay, like, I don't know, $10 for a bracket. Right? And everybody puts in a bracket. And then you always have a couple people that'll have six different brackets they'll submit. And it's like, hey, dude, uh, come on, dog. One bracket. Right? There should be a one bracket rule. Like, if you're in a pool, one bracket, that's all you get. Because I thought, at least maybe it was because me, my dad, and my brothers would do it, but we didn't have, like, money. Because, you know, we ain't had no jobs. We were little. We would always do it based on wins. So, depending on how many, you got certain point value for every win. So, if you had in the first round matchup, let's say just for an example, you there was you know UCLA facing Toledo. If you picked the winner of that correctly, you would get a point. And each round, the point value would increase, right? At the end of the at the end of the uh, the tournament, you would see who had the most points. You calculate, and I don't even know what we would get. I think it was just bragging rights, to be honest. I don't remember if it was like ice cream or something like that. I have no idea, to be honest. I'm drawing a complete blank on what the actual prize was. But you would get we assigned a point value. Therefore, you were getting judged, and it was being determined based on how well you could pick the games ahead of time. Like, so if I pick six different brackets, on one of them I might be right, but on the five others I was wrong. So what do I actually think? Who do I think is actually going to win? Do I even think somebody's going to win, or am I just picking both? I don't know. It just seems like you should be judged on your bracket based on how well you know college basketball or just how well, how strong, how good your gut is, your gut instincts are. I go with the gut instincts check. So on mine, I'm doing pretty good. Right? Like I said, out of the sweet, out of the sixteen teams left, I was only wrong on five, so I got eleven of the sixteen right. To me, that's pretty good for someone who don't watch no college basketball, just goes off gut instincts. That's that's cool to me. Now, going forward, what do I think? All right, let's see, let's see. Going forward, here's how I think it's going to play out. We got um, Gonzaga playing Arkansas. I obviously think Gonzaga's going to win. We got Texas Tech facing Duke. I think Duke is going to win. North Carolina, UCLA. Hey, look, y'all, I picked UCLA to win the whole thing. So I'm picking UCLA to beat North Carolina. I am going to be honest with you. I'm shaking in my boots. (laughs) I'm actively rooting for UCLA. That's the team that I'm rooting for to win it. Not just because I picked them, but because I've always kind of liked UCLA. Right? So, so I'm actively rooting for them, but I know uh, one of their big men had a foot injury. Um, I haven't really followed to see what's going on with that. Yeah, I know. I'm terrible. I don't really pay attention to that stuff. I'll find out when they play what's going on with him. I'm not really worried about it uh, outside of that because who cares? I have no invested interest. Um, I got them with, but North Carolina looks like... They, North Carolina is that team but man, like, you just know. You just know. It's, it's looking to be Duke facing... Uh, facing off against North Carolina at some point. It would only be fitting for Coach K's last run to have to go through North Carolina. I would I would root to if if you if North Carolina beats UCLA, I'm rooting for North Carolina and Duke to end up facing each other down the road. But let's move on. You got Purdue playing St. Peter's. St. Peter's great story. I will be rooting for St. Peter's because I hate Purdue with a burning passion. Have I ever told you guys why I hate Purdue? I, t- I, I talked about the game, right, when we went to the game. We went to see them play Oregon and the fans there. Were, yeah, I, I, I had to have said it. If not, I'm not going to talk about it now, but at one point. You know what? I'm going to make it an annual thing. Every fall when, when college football comes back, I'm going to tell the story of why I hate Purdue so much. But I hate them, genuinely. I have a real reason I hate them. Screw that, uh, that city <laughs> and that school. Ugh. And, and, and. To, to the to the moron female uh, who thought we were from Oregon, which was in New Jersey, um, 
You're an idiot. <laughs> anyway, I got Purdue ending St. Peter's run. I just feel like Purdue, they, they play that brand of basketball that's like not special, not flashy, not fun to watch, but they get results. Okay. So in my Elite Eight on that side of the bracket, I got Gonzaga facing Duke and UCLA facing Purdue. On the other side, I have Arizona beating Houston. Although, again, that's another game kind of shaking in my boots. But that Arizona game, woo, what a game, man. What a great game. Um, and then Michigan facing off against Villanova. Obviously, I want to root for Villanova, but Michigan seems like a team that's kind of on a mission. It's kind of doing some things, so I'm going to take Michigan in that game against, you know, my better judgment. I don't want to pick them, but just thinking logically, I think they beat Villanova. Um, Kansas is playing Providence. Duh, I'm going with Kansas. I'll probably that, you know, it's saying duh probably activated something in the universe to say, all right, Providence is going to win that game. So if you're a betting man, bet Providence because I just I screwed Kansas. My my apologies, Kansas. And you got Iowa State playing Miami. Look, this is the one that I'm going to say. I just feel like Miami has that juice. You know, I, I talked about in the football season when I was saying that um, the Bengals just kind of have that thing going where after they beat the Raiders in the first round, you just thought they're going to they're gonna go far. Miami seems like a team that just has that thing. Um, and it's interesting, to say the least. So I think they're going to advance. And I think they're going to beat Iowa State. And so on that side, so in recap, my Elite Eight, Gonzaga facing Duke, UCLA facing Purdue, Arizona facing Michigan, and Kansas and Miami. So that's my Elite Eight. Breaking that down into the Final Four, I got Gonzaga beating Duke. Sorry, Coach K, the run ends with Gonzaga. It's going to be a great game, though, great matchup. I believe they played earlier this year, and Duke won? I don't remember. That's going to be a great matchup, but I just think Gonzaga, they can go on those runs, right? And 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 they're going to put up some points, and I, I just think they win. UCLA playing Purdue. Come on. I hate Purdue. I'm rooting for UCLA. I'm picking UCLA. Arizona playing Michigan. Sorry, Michigan. Arizona ends that. Arizona gets to the Final Four. And then Miami playing Kansas. Again, I think Miami has the sauce. I think they get to the Final Four. So my final four now is Gonzaga, UCLA, Arizona, Miami. How does that stack up against what I originally picked? My original final four was Gonzaga facing UCLA and Arizona facing Kansas. So the only thing that changed for me in this equation is I have Miami beating Kansas now to get to the final four. And in the championship... I have UCLA beating Gonzaga, Arizona beating Miami, and I have a UCLA-Arizona championship. Now, how does that differ? Originally, my initial bracket, I had UCLA playing Kansas. So the only thing that changes for me is I think Miami gets to the Final Four instead of Kansas, therefore setting it up for Arizona to have an easier path, and they will go against Miami and get to the Final Four. That's what I think. So, yeah, that's how I'm doing in my bracket. I'm doing pretty good. Now, listen, like I said, I'm rooting for UCLA. If UCLA loses to North Carolina, then I'm rooting for North Carolina, North Carolina to face Duke in uh, the Final Four. God, that would be great. How amazing would that be? Just as a sports fan, that would be amazing. Right, that'd be cool to see for Coach K's last ride. Can he get through North Carolina to get to the final? Nah, I don't know. Who cares? Look, I can't I can't exit this week without at least mentioning uh congratulations to the king. I'm sorry, see, you know. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Cue it up. And here we go. Look, uh, I am the resident LeBron hater of the of the world. I'm sure there's millions of us out there who just see um, a new stat or new accomplishment for LeBron and immediately go, ugh. Look, I can't say it enough. I respect LeBron. I appreciate LeBron. I like LeBron as a player. I got no beef with LeBron. My beef 
strictly comes from this idea, this idea that LeBron is the GOAT. But LeBron passed Carl Malone? I don't know. Let me not make it a fool of myself. LeBron is now the number two all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Okay. Congratulations. That's a, that's a big accomplishment. That's a good thing for him, especially for a guy who will always, for some reason, get labeled as a guy who's not a scorer. You know what? Listen, man, this is it. This is where the hate comes from. This is where it comes out. It's, it's, you probably could hear, right, as I'm trying to give him a compliment and say congratulations on your on your accomplishment. You could hear the hate starting to bubble up and wanting to burst at the seams and come out. Here's my problem. Number one, this whole narrative that LeBron's not a great scorer, nobody said it. Nobody said it. The guy averages 27 points a game for a career. He's a, good, he's a great scorer. The only thing that was ever said is there's other scorers in the NBA that are better. Right? Kyrie Irving's probably a better scorer. Why? Because he has more variety. He can score in the paint. He can score mid-range. He can shoot threes. LeBron's not a great three-point shooter. Not a very good three-point shooter. He's average. LeBron's not a great shooter, period. Never has been. In fact, in the 2014 finals, actually 2013 finals, the game plan for San Antonio was give him space and make him shoot jumpers. We like our chances. Even now, how do you pay how do you play LeBron? Give him space, let him shoot. We like our chances. And guess what? He's shooting more than he ever has. He's averaging 30 points a game, and the team is garbage. That's the game plan. Let him shoot, have a blast, whatever. Kevin Durant's a better scorer because Kevin Durant has a greater variety of ways he can score. Nobody's saying LeBron's not a great scorer. Nobody's saying LeBron's not a good scorer. Nobody's saying LeBron can't score. Everyone's just saying there's other players who are better scorers because they have a greater arsenal of ways to score. Does that make sense? That's not hate, right? Nobody's hearing that and hearing hate. Okay, so let's squash this narrative of, oh my God, how impressive is it that he's number two all time in scoring and we don't even consider him a scorer. Number two, the narrative I've heard so many times is, oh, man, LeBron gets asked to do so many things. No, he doesn't. Hey, 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 hey. No, he doesn't. Nobody's asking LeBron to go get eight rebounds or go get eight assists. Hey, you know who's doing that? LeBron's doing that because that's the way he wants to play. Because in high school, that's the way he played. He wanted to be more of a Magic Johnson. He wanted to be a facilitator, a guy who gets his players involved. They give him the ball. Go do what you want. You know what the coach says who's coaching LeBron? Hey, do whatever the hell you want. And you know what he decides to do? He decides, well, I want to facilitate. Hey, I want to come out to start of the game and get my guys involved so they get their confidence up. So when I need them later, boom, they're available. That's his choice. The coach don't make that choice. We think Frank Vogel is telling LeBron how to play? You think Frank Vogel is calling plays? No. Every player in that locker room would say, yo, shut the hell up. We got LeBron. Hey, Bron, what you want to do? No franchise is bringing him in to ask him to do anything. In fact, the Lakers said, hey, you want to come here? What do you want? You want to trade some players? Who would you like to get? Hey, in the offseason, you know what they did? Hey, how you feel about this guy? They were trying to get Buddy Heald for him. And what did he say? No. Bring me Westbrook. Hey, uh, LeBron stands. You do realize you're blaming Westbrook for doing what he's doing and not playing well? The team didn't want him. LeBron did. That was his guy. He wanted that. Blame your own king. I'm sorry. The hate. The, I don't want to hate. <laughs> And I don't think it's hate because I think I'm speaking from logic. I'm just annoyed. I'm just tired and tired of all these narratives. Both ways. Both sides. You know what? Let's put it all on the table. I'm tired of the GOAT debate. Because the reality is, is you and me won't agree on the GOAT. We're not. It's like saying, who's the greatest shooter of all time? Well, what are you determining it by? You want to go strictly by the numbers? And then you have to say, well, how many attempts do they have to take in order to say what qualifies? Because it's like those stupid stats where they say, oh, he has the highest shooting percentage of all players who've taken at least this amount of shots. Like, what? See, you can manipulate numbers to say whatever you want them to say. 
You could take a great stat and make it look bad for the person or make it look great for the person. It all depends on how what, how you want to spin it. So I'm tired of the GOAT debate. And I'm tired of everything LeBron does being listed as another accolade or a penalty for or against his GOAT case. The guy's not making a case every night. It's like every night he does something good, the lovers come out, the stands come out, the the worshippers come out and say, this is why he's the GOAT. And then if something bad happens, all the haters come out and say, see, this is why he's not the GOAT. Well, I'm throwing my hat in. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out the sweepstakes. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to have the debate. Because quite frankly, LeBron is never, never for me going to go higher than third. I'm always going to have Kobe and Jordan above him. I just will. Dog, I saw Kobe get 81. Dude, I saw Kobe shoot free throws with a torn Achilles. Dude, I saw Kobe get 60 in his last game. I don't care how many shots it took. The fact that everyone in that arena knew, and everyone on that team knew, Kobe, go get it. And they had to win. Like, they needed him to do it. He was putting up buckets late in that game when they needed a bucket and the other team knew. And it was just sheer will, just sheer effort. You want to know what I'll always remember LeBron as? The guy when Cleveland lost to Boston in uh, in the 2010 playoffs. And he was he immediately walked off the court, walked off the tunnel and took his jersey off before he even got through the tunnel. That will always be the lasting image of LeBron for me. I will always remember that. That was a massive moment for me. I don't know why. I don't I don't know why. But when that happened, I knew he wasn't staying in Cleveland. And I kept trying to tell myself, no, nah, he's not gonna do it. And then when they announced the show, I was like, no, he's not gonna say on national TV he's leaving Cleveland. You wouldn't do that. That's home. You would respect them a little bit more. You would do that in private. You would just announce it or you do something. You have that you have that big spectacle because you staying in Cleveland. It's a big deal and you're bigging up your city. You wouldn't do that to Oh, he did. Now listen, I'm not mad. Like whatever. Like that's I thought it was silly. I thought it was just bad. I thought to have a simple decision to say, I'm gonna go to Miami, I think to draw it out for an hour, I think it was just stupid. It was just bad TV. It was stupid. It was a bad program. Right? His shirt was ugly. <laughs> I'm just hating. But seriously, seriously, going back to the topic of let's end the GOAT discussion, let's end it. It's over. LeBron's numbers are going to look better than Jordan's. They will. He's played longer. It's a different era. Same way Jordan's numbers look better than some of the guys before him. Different era, different time period, different rule set, different different objectives. Guys weren't shooting threes like they are now when Jordan was playing. You think if Jordan played now, Jordan wouldn't get a three-point shot? You think he wouldn't obsess about it over and over and over and become a really good three-point shooter? You know, you want to know how I know he would? Because LeBron did it. LeBron was an awful three-point shooter. Everybody, the league started going towards threes, and LeBron started working on it, got himself up to a decent number. It's to the point now where when he shoots a three, you're not saying, ugh, he ain't going to make that. No way. You're not screaming at the TV because LeBron took a three. There was a point where you would scream at the TV, like, why are you taking threes? But now that the league is going that way, he's he's going with it too, and Jordan would have done the same. But that's why you can't really compare him apples to apples because it's not. It's different. You know, LeBron's LeBron's bigger. LeBron's probably more athletic because of his size. I guess pound for pound, he's probably more athletic. But, like, he would have a hard time guarding Jordan. Jordan would have a hard time guarding him if it was one-on-one. And guess what? If it was one-on-one, they probably wouldn't guard each other. If it was, if they were playing in, a, in, a league, in the game I'm in, they probably wouldn't guard each other. They probably would put Pippen on him. Why? Because it's a better matchup. So we'll, we'll never get the answer that you're looking for. So GOAT discussion literally comes down to preference because there's people right now who still don't think that Jordan is the GOAT. Right? But I'm never going to put him above Kobe or Jordan based on strictly my preference. And I understand that. It's my preference. You're never going to change my preference. You're never going to change what I prefer in a player. So with that being said, Jordan's my GOAT. Kobe's my number two. LeBron could be three, but I'm done with this night to night, back and forth on both sides. Don't come to me on either side. I'm not your ally if you hate LeBron. I'm not. I don't hate LeBron. I just get annoyed when I'm constantly bombarded with reasons why he's the GOAT. Stop. 
It's just a stupid talking point that 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 these networks need and these sports shows need because they got nothing else to talk about, really. Because if you stop talking about LeBron, eh, what are you really talking about? Because no one, no one, no one. Here's the, here's the moral of the story. There's no facts in sports. It's all opinions. That's my time, y'all. I appreciate y'all for coming through today. Listen, if it was your first time, I hope you got something enjoyable out of this. If you did, if you like what you heard, please come back each and every week. Thursdays, we premiere and we show up, we show out, we have a lot of fun. Cyber Family, thank you once again for joining me. Listen, predictions, I got none. I already told you what I thought when it comes to uh, the tournament. Again, you want to gamble, you want to bet some money, go with my picks. Uh, You're probably going to lose. Actually, you know what? At this point, with my record the way it is right now, I'm feeling good about myself bet on my picks win that money i'll see y'all next time